You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Just a reminder that if you're looking for amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Recording this on a Sunday, the day following a 14-point victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Didn't record a recap Saturday night because well, it was Saturday. I didn't think most of you would actually be listening to it on a Sunday morning, especially on an Easter Sunday morning. Happy Easter to anybody who celebrates the holiday, by the way. And I did want to touch on some of the things that kind of stood out to me in the victory over the Cavaliers. And I think Obviously, the biggest story over the last couple of days, biggest story over the last couple of weeks even, Victor Oladipo and his impact, something I'll talk about a little bit later on in the show and answer some of your listener questions regarding the necessary function of Miami to add a player over the next couple of days because, well, there aren't a lot of options left and those are dwindling, but Miami still needs to bring their roster up to 14 and so they'll need to add somebody, but who? So I'll address that later on the show, but first... Kind of wanted to frame a little bit of a discussion about where Miami stands now based on this question that came in from Sheesh, who writes in via Twitter. Is it just me, or do the Heat with the new guys actually look like an elite team now? It's a hell of a question, and one that's really, really difficult for me to answer, because I, I'm i at a point now, and I'm sure a lot of you listening to this are, are right there with me, there's this wave of optimism, Right? Like, they look good out there, and they do. And yet, to me, and maybe this is my own failing, maybe you don't feel the same way, although I do tend to think that there is some kind of hesitancy over there in Heat Twitter and uh, Heat fandom. I just, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because if there hadn't been that six-game losing streak following 11 of 12, maybe I'd be feeling a little bit more differently. But there have been so many ups and downs throughout the season. And perhaps that's just emblematic of this particular season with COVID and health and safety protocols and the inconsistency around the league, around the world, really. How can you determine what Miami actually is or isn't? And I I don't know where they are right now. Like, the defensive numbers are one thing. What we've seen defensively from them over the last month now, I'd say qualifies them as an elite team. And yet, you could still even quantify that a little bit further by saying, well, they've played teams that have been missing key players. It's a COVID-impacted season. I don't know that Miami's faced any team at full strength since the Utah Jazz. And that was a hell of a win, probably the signature win of the season. But other than that, there have been lots of ups and downs. And it's so hard to gauge whether or not Miami is, in fact, a shesh-ass, an elite team. Right now, if I had to guess, and if I had to answer that question, and I don't know that anybody, nobody will have a clear answer. You can guess, you can estimate, you can look ahead, the numbers indicate one thing, but even last season, the numbers indicated one thing, and then you make that slight change of adding Jay Crowder to the starting lineup, and next thing you know, you're at NBA Finals. It's just, you look at this team, and they are not an elite team. Not right now. I don't want to douse everybody's excitement, but I, that's just my feeling right now. There is still a struggle offensively. 
trying to integrate key players. There are key weaknesses defensively, especially in the rebounding department, where Miami needs to improve. Or at least do other things to compensate. They're going to lose the rebounding battle. That's almost invariably the case, just because of their lack of size. You're not picking up a seven-foot rebounding machine. Dennis Rodman at 7'1 isn't out there. Okay, Rodman himself is not 7'1, but you know what I mean. There's just nobody who's going to resolve this problem for Miami. If they were, they'd be on an NBA roster. That's just how it works. But you look at what Miami can do well, and the growth that we've seen over the last few weeks, and the trending growth over the last few weeks, months of the season, and I think they will be an elite team. <laughs> elite, even in itself, is a difficult word to qualify. Like, What are we talking about here? Are they one of the top five teams in the league? They can be. I don't know by any measure how you could compare this team and stack them up against a Brooklyn or even a Lakers team and say, yeah, they're up there. Even a Milwaukee team. Milwaukee team keeps getting slept on. This isn't the same team from last year's playoffs. Miami can beat anybody. Of that, I have no doubt. But I don't want to say Milwaukee's going to be a pushover in the Eastern Conference. This is a retooled team. This is a different version of the Bucks team that last year's roster was assembled for. This year's roster, I think, was built more, or has been built more, to challenge what the Brooklyn Nets are capable of doing. A Brooklyn Nets team that has been without key players and still continues to win and be the top of the Eastern Conference. They're a concern, I'm not going to lie. I just, I want to believe in this team, and I think that's where everybody's coming from, right, is I want to believe in this team. Because I see signs yesterday, on Saturday night, playing a, a you know a Cavaliers team that's missing Larry Nance, that's missing Jared Allen, and not 100%. Even if they were, they still probably wouldn't be all that great. Maybe they would have challenged Miami a little bit more. But there were flashes there, right? Like you see the passing, you see the shooting from a renewed, invigorated Duncan Robinson. You see Trevor Ariza knocking down three threes in the first quarter, and you think to yourself, man, this is this is the version of the team that we saw last year. And there are certainly signs of that. I'm not sure if they'll ever be an elite, quote-unquote, elite team this season. I don't think they have to be. They just have to be damn good at just the right moment. And it's hard to put that into words. But this is kind of what it, it was. What happened last season. I don't know if you looked at that roster and, saw, and stacked them up against the Celtics or the Pacers or the Bucks, And certainly not against the Lakers. But if you looked at what they were capable of doing and you could have said, oh, yeah, they're a clear favorite. They weren't. They never were. They were an underdog the whole time and still found a way to win. That, there are some things that you can't quantify. I, I'm not I'm not Charles Barkley. I'm not John Crotty. I'm not saying, oh, analytics. What the hell is analytics? I know what analytics are. I don't incorporate statistical analysis into my recaps or my coverage of the NBA at large because the numbers tell a part of the story. A, sto a part of the story that, I, frankly, I'm not quite always comfortable getting into. Statistical analysis has never been my strong suit. Points per possession, usage rate, whatever you want to call it. Look, there are lots of stats that measure things. And yet, sometimes there are things that aren't exactly measurable and can still lead to success. And I think that's where Miami was last year. This is, I will never, I will never talk badly about statistical analysis analytics, whatever. That's an all-encompassing 
umbrella term, by the way, that isn't quite fair to use because, yes, there are analytics. There are statistical ways of measuring certain things on the floor. And again, what we're all missing in this discussion, or largely, especially when it comes from mainstream media, is some nuance there because the point is that you're looking for things that players do well. You're looking for weaknesses in their game. You're looking for things that opponents can find a way to exploit. They don't pass well. They don't rebound well. They don't defend well. This particular player doesn't fit well with this other player. There's a lot of way of gathering this data and making it work for you. But sometimes all that data, and yet you take a player like a Jimmy Butler or a, a Bam Adebayo, or even to a lesser degree, a Goran Dragic, who I contend and have been contending for quite some time, is this team's X factor in terms of playoff success. And you can't quantify that. You cannot measure what they'll be able to do. Nobody saw Jimmy Butler doing what he did in the NBA Finals last year, and yet he did it. Put in an historically great performance, a transcendent performance that made him a favorite, not just to Heat fans, but to NBA fans. Like watching this guy try to carry that team to victory and doing so twice against a much more talented and healthy team. You can't measure that. You can't see it coming. And so when you look at what this team is capable of, that's where I'm kind of resting. That there are ways of measuring what they can do well statistically, certainly defensively, to a lesser degree what they can do offensively and can't do. But somehow I get the feeling that they are trending in the right direction. That they look like a team that just fits better, that plays better, that just works in a way that we haven't seen this team work over the last month or two. Even when they were winning a lot of games. There were still questions about their offense. We're seeing shades of it. And I think a big part of that is a player that I'm going to talk about next. If there's reason for optimism with Miami, it's because of what Victor Oladipo can do. And while he struggled, I'll talk about his impact here on the number one Miami Heat podcast for the latest news, rumors, and analysis. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. There's so much going on in the sports landscape between the NBA, baseball, the NHL, even the last few games of college basketball, men's and women's college basketball. Bet online covers all of them. Awards TV shows, reality TV, make some some, some real money. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And they've got you covered for all the news scores and odds too. It's the best way to place your bets and Best of all, it's free to sign up. Who can pass that up? Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Rakowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. So Victor Oladipo, right? This is, if there's anything that has just kind of ignited Heat fans over the last few weeks, it's the addition of Oladipo. And there was some hesitancy about Depot's addition prior to that. Like, we were all in on Kyle Lowry, I think, and... You know, of course, even before that, James Harden was a target. And, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo was a target. None of which really fell through, right? And now you're looking at Oladipo here. And, well, he struggled. 10% from three-point range. One of 10 combined over the two games that he's played with Miami. 
5 of 21 from the field overall. A shade of around 23, 24%. But he's impacted the game in some ways. Five assists in each of the last two outings. Two steals in each of the two outings. He's turning over the ball as he's trying to find his balance there. And I want to play an interview. It's a condensed interview following Saturday night's win where reporters like Ira Winderman and Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald asked questions. So I wanted to cut those out because you can get a sense of what he's trying to talk about. But I wanted you to hear what Victor had to say in the way he wanted to say it because I think there's a lot of interesting points that he brings up in his answers. And so here's an interview with Victor Oladipo following Saturday night's win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm just trying to get adjusted. I mean, you know, uh, new experience, new environment. Um, everything's new. So, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I just got to keep playing. Everything else will take care of itself. Um, you know, the flow will come, you know, the, the timing and everything will come. I just got to keep playing hard. And then it seems like you're getting good shots. And and it seems like, obviously, the kind of shots that you have hit before and will hit again. So you're sort of feeling good about, even if maybe the results statistically aren't there, that it's setting up well for you. Obviously, it's on the defensive end, but also setting up well for you on the offensive end. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it at all. Um, my shot's going to fall. Uh, I'll score. Uh, I just got to continue to keep playing defense at a high level. Um continue to keep playing, getting minutes, um, playing the game and everything else to take care of itself. Um, I'm not really worried about that right now. You know, uh, I know that'll come and it's going to come at a, at a high clip. So just got to keep playing hard, uh, playing the right way, everything else to take care of itself. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not one to make excuses. Um, so you know, I don't, I don't make any, but if you, if you really look at it, um, you know, I had a lower extremity injury, so I wasn't able to use my, use my lower extremity for a long period of time. Um, also, one leg is stronger than the other. Um, so, you know, working my way back and, you know, finding my balance um, is something that I, I still continuing to work at. Um, and then, you know, I haven't played a lot of basketball in two years. Um, Coming back, you know, from injury, I played 13 games, I think, and then COVID hit. Couldn't even use the gym. I was working out of my garage. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I kind of came back, played in the bubble for, what, eight games and then four playoff games. And then, you know, the season started right away because of COVID. So um, it wasn't an extensive period of time to, you know, get the rehab that I needed. But you know, uh, it is what it is. I'm not really concerned about it. I could sit here and give you a long story about, um, you know, my rehab or whatever, my journey, but I'm here now and um, I'm ready to work. Um, and <clears throat> I just got to keep working. Um, everything else, like I said, will, will fall into place. You know what I'm saying? I'm continuously every day getting stronger. I'm getting more comfortable and really that's all that matters. You know, um, the offensive end will come. Um, the consistency will come. Um, you know, obviously I have, been in three different environments in less than a year as well so adjusting to that is 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 different as well but it's nothing I can't handle like I said I'm just enjoying the moment I'm staying in the moment Um, I'm glad to be here glad to be a part of this culture this team Um, and I just got to keep getting better every day Um, and 
uh, eventually everything that needs to be will be. You know, I think I've been really good defensively. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's a new experience, new environment, no no practice time. You know, no no time to to really you know uh, get used to the system, get used to guys. But you know, I'm just going out there and competing as best as I can, as and as hard as I can. Uh, like I said, the offensive end it'll come. You know, I'm not really concerned about that. I know the coaching staff and my teammates ain't concerned. They know it'll come as well for me as well. Um, just got to keep playing, man. And uh, I'm just going to go out there and keep playing, like I said, as hard as I can for as long as I can. Um, and if I do that, I can live with the results when I do that. Excuse me. So there you have it. I mean, I, I think he, he – first of all, love hearing Victor talk and address media. He's very good at it ever since he was in Orlando and I got a chance to talk to him there. I've seen that kind of interaction from him. He was – well liked by Orlando fans, Thunder fans, Pacers fans. I think that came through in my conversation with Mark Schindler last week. If you haven't heard that podcast, go ahead and check it out because I think he brings a lot of nuance about the discussion regarding Oladipo. But as far as the fans are concerned, they've always liked and appreciated what Depot can do. He's just he's a good guy. Like maybe he forced his way out of Indiana in a way that kind of left some people a little embittered. But overall, I'd say when he was on, when he was at his best, he was loved there. And I think that means something. But of the, all the things that he talks about, though, like something that's really, really overlooked, and he brings it up, is one, there's the physical issue that one leg is not as strong as the other. And I wonder how soon before he starts addressing that. And I don't know that he'll be, you know, I think he's going to start doing more conditioning work over the next few days. They have a two-day break in between games. That's not enough to strengthen it completely, not to get to NBA-level shape. It's going to be an off-season of work. But he also talked about having to play into three different systems. Miami runs something completely different than the Rockets do, who did something completely different than when, you know, Nate Bjorkren, I'm probably mispronouncing that name, and Nate McMillan were doing during Oladipo's tenure there. I mean, think about that. He played for Nate McMillan last year. He was fired, replaced by Bjorkren, and then all of a sudden he's plays 13 games for them and then gets traded to the Coach Steven Silas's first tenure with the Houston Rockets and playing alongside DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall and just this weird mishmash of players, Christian Wood in and out of the lineup. It's hard to kind of get used to that. And now you're playing with Jimmy Butler. Now you're playing with Bam Adebayo. And overall, I think that's been a very difficult process of adjustment that we kind of tend to overlook. I I do have concerns. Like I, I kind of feel like every time I'm saying these things, I can't help myself. And I've tried to be very, well, I've tried to be consistent in everything I do, but when it comes to the coverage of the team, I will always try to be as even-keeled as possible. The answer is almost invariably always somewhere in the middle. Is this team crap? No. Is this team fantastic? Probably not. They can be. Is Victor Oladipo bad? No, he's not. Is Victor Oladipo great? Not yet. And that's the reality that we have to kind of come to grips with. I see a lot of, I had voice concerns following Saturday's game that his shot still isn't falling. I think it's a concern. I think it's worth monitoring. And the responses I got were, well, he scored well in Houston. Yeah, on occasion. He scored well in Indiana too, on occasion. But those points come less and less frequently. They're not going to be, look, Jimmy Butler is healthy, mostly. And he's still not a consistent scorer. We've seen what we deal with with Bam. I know all of you are frustrated with Bam when he doesn't have those aggressive nights. And I must say, he's looked fantastic of late. Of late, Aggressive, finishing with incredible otherworldly dunks at the rim. So I'm not 
worried about Oladipo per se, but I do think that I can't look at him as a consistent 20-point-per-game scorer yet. He's getting to the line. He's not scoring as easily and as well. Admittedly, self-admittedly, he's hurt. He's not 100% healthy, and he's still tr- struggling to find his way in the Heat culture. It's part of the, the, just the nuances of game day preparation and understanding exactly what he's supposed to do on the floor. He's not lost out there because he's an accomplished veteran, but he's not smooth sailing just yet. And the shot's just not falling. But if there's something, you know, I think, there, again, overall, positives can be taken from Oladipo's tenure so far. He is playing very well. There's a spark there, like I was talking about in the first segment. This team is better with Victor Oladipo on it. He's just different than Kendrick Nunn. And and I'll give Kendrick some credit here. When Kendrick was at his best, Miami was very good, at least offensively. Oladipo's just better defensively, though, and we've seen that from him. Look, he got toasted by Colin Sexton. I'm not going to mince words about that. He did not look quite comfortable. But you also have to acknowledge that Sexton is a pretty good player in himself. A difficult cover, having a phenomenal, almost all, uh, all-star all level caliber. Probably deserving of more all-star consideration than he got. I think you look at the record and you look at the turmoil, you look at other big names out there, and you're going to say to yourself, mm, maybe he doesn't belong. James Harden wasn't in the Eastern Conference. I think... A guard pick comes down to either Jimmy Butler or Sexton, even though Jimmy's not really a guard. But I think you could have made an argument for either one of them on this on, on the all-star team. But that's a, another conversation here. When it comes to Oladipo, I think we're looking at a long-term picture. Right now, I'd have to say that Miami probably tries to their best to re-sign him. There was a piece that came out from Kevin O'Connor over at the Ringer that Miami has positioned themselves for some off-season changes where they can add Kyle Lowry, where they can sign and trade for Bradley Beal, where they can do lots of things, right? I think they're going to look to re-sign Oladipo because they're going to get a sense of what kind of person and player he is over the next few months. They're going to work with his training staff. They're going to work with their training staff, and they're going to get him healthier than he's been in a couple of years. And as a result, they expect to add an all-star caliber player this offseason. And this is what, the, what he's building towards. He's continuing to build towards that point. Hopefully he avoids injury first and foremost, but I think he just has to continue to do enough to show what he's capable of, and everybody will kind of figure it out. Look, Miami takes care of their guys. Would they rather pay somebody else that's much more further developed or isn't as big of an injury issue, say like a Bradley Beal? Sure, I guess that's the case, but you make do with what you have. I don't think you can acquire Beal, and if you do, well, it's probably going to cost a lot more money than what Victor Oladipo is, but either way, you get Victor on this team, you see what he's capable of, and you wait till the offseason where he can kind of gauge how much progress he's capable of making, and then you resign him. I think that's the ultimate plan here for this team. And it's not a bad one. I think it works. I think he fits here. I think, again, I, I've talked about this before. You cannot overlook how important it is for a guy who wants to come here, who wants to thrive. I think he's going to find a way. And he talked about it in his interview, too. He wants to succeed here. He knows he's going to. He's staying positive. He's doing the work. He's going to continue to do it. I think it's going to be a good situation for him down the road. So far, great defensively by his admission. Struggling offensively. He expects that to come around. He's not worried. 
some of that is just kind of false bravado, the false bravado of a superstar athlete saying, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know, men in particular are very difficult at admitting when something is going wrong, especially medically. But I think he's past that point overall. I think he's also still trying to say as positive as he can about his overall game and whether or not he's going to be able to bring it down the road. I have hopes that he's going to have greater offensive impact than he's currently doing. So the bar is pretty low right now. But either way, I think he's going to be able to score much more easily for Miami in a few games here and there. I'm not going to count on him as a consistent 20-point-per-game scorer, a go-to guy of sorts. You've got Jimmy Butler on the team for that. Heck, to some degree, you've even got Goran Dragic. You've got Bam here. Victor doesn't have to be the go-to guy. He's another option, which is why it works so well. He's not going to demand the ball. He's not going to need it. It would be nice if the opportunities that he gets, he could capitalize on a little bit more. And eventually, I think those shots will fall. You've got a hell of a pickup here. You've got a lot to look forward to. But I'll talk about some immediate changes that need to happen with the team, particularly adding a big man, adding another player in general. What's out there? Who's out there? Who could you add to this roster that helps cement this team to an NBA Finals competitor? I'm not sure that that answer is out there, but I'll try and find it in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. Built Bar Madness is over, but that doesn't mean that you can stop buying Built Bars. They're still the best tasting protein bar ever. They still got everything that you're looking for. 18 amazing flavors. We know which one is the best one of them all, but you can try them all. Build a box around your favorite flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar. That's the best thing about them, but they are healthy. They're great for health-conscious people that are looking for a treat to indulge in every once in a while. They've got all the nutrients that you're looking for. And best of all, if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON20, you'll get 20% off your next order. So use the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And when you're done getting your box of Built Bars, make sure you go to RockAuto.com because if you're looking for parts for your car or truck, RockAuto.com is the place for you. Look, I've talked about it before. Going to a store, ordering the parts you need, not always the easiest thing to do. But you go to rockauto.com, you've got a computer, they've got a computer, you've got access to everything that you need on rockauto.com's use, usable, user-friendly website. You can just find all the parts you're looking for and they're conveniently priced for you. So they're great. It's great and easy to use. You can save yourself hundreds of dollars. Just go there. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or even worse at a car dealership? rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go right now to rockauto.com, see what parts are available for your car or truck, then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And write locked on. So that you know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. analysis of the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Drafts podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So I've gone on a little long here trying to include that Oladipo interview. I thought it would be important to hear him express his optimism about his tenure here and his progress and what he can bring to the table. But I did want to get into a couple of questions here, particularly because well, we're looking at what changes Miami can make to the roster. They've got to bring up a 14th player on the roster because they made the trades they did, sending out Chris Silva, Mo Harkless, of course, Myers Leonard, and uh, Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley. They didn't bring in enough players. 
And so they still need to bring up their roster to 14 just to be at a league-mandated number. And so they need to add somebody. But there aren't a lot of options out there. And this question comes in from Kanaz Sweat. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It seems like Cousins, meaning DeMarcus Cousins, is not an option, and maybe rightfully so. I don't know. I hear a lot about Dwayne Dedman. But what about a guy like Jan Mahinmi? I honestly think he can help, especially on the boards. NBA champion with Dallas against us also. Great question. I know Mahinmi has been a name that has been kind of thrown out there. as just a familiar name. And I've got to say, not as a dig at you, Kanaz, or anything like that. I just, I don't see it. That doesn't seem like Miami's trending way or long-established way, I should say, of adding a buyout player. It's not an established veteran looking for a ring. It's not a uh, area of need. It's not even a guy that you fit or have comfort with. It's not even a development project a la Kendrick Nunn a couple years ago. Right? That's That's... That's what you look at when you're talking about this team and what they're going to add. Either they're going to add a big name, the Joe Johnson type, or, you know, the LaMarcus Aldridge type if he had come here. Maybe even Blake, Blake Griffin. Miami loves those guys. Once a superstar, they have hope that you'll always be a superstar, that you'll be able to rekindle something once you get bathed in the, the, the purifying waters of heat culture. <laughs> but if you're not, you're going to look to bring in a guy like Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, somebody along those lines that you can develop. And I think there are players like that, and I don't think Jan Mahimi is one of them. He can rebound. He can stretch the floor. Not really, but he had a couple threes against Miami last season when they had that terrible blowout loss. The Garrison Matthews experiment. It's At least it's first incarnation. He wound up having another big game against Miami this season. But last year when that was an eye-opening beatdown, a crushing game. That was that was a low point in last season. But no need to get into that. That's over with. That never happened. Yamahimi since then hasn't played much. So that's another factor. This isn't Trevor Reza working out a mile down the road. If there's anybody there that kind of fits that bill, and, and from there I mean working out with Stanley Remy, noted NBA trainer. That's where Ariza was working out. He acknowledged it in his post-game presser on Saturday when he was in the winner circle with Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson of Bally Sports. I, I can't get my mind around that. Hasn't been, you know, it's been Fox Sports for so long, and now it's Bally Sports, but that's not worth getting into. As far as, you know, the, the Remy workouts, as they're called. Greg Monroe's there, and he is a slow-footed rebounder, a big body. Good guy. I don't have any problems with Monroe. I just don't know that he brings an area need. He's not a switchable defender. He's not a guy that you're going to throw out there and get easy buckets to. He's got a low post game to some degree, soft mid-ranger maybe. Overall, I'm just not sure that he's the kind of guy Miami's looking to bring in. But that was a name. That is a name. I think that they would give serious consideration to over a Mahinmi. Other names that I think are worth looking into, Dwayne Dedman, I think, I've already talked about before. Uh, one, there are off-the-court issues. There's injury issues. There's also problematic attitude issues. His fit overall might be better. I don't like it. I know Nikaias Duncan, friend of the show, has been talking about Deadman as a nice addition. But first and foremost, I think he, I don't think he's available. I think uh, I think Ethan Skolnick of Five Reasons Sports reporting that Deadman might be willing to sit out all of this season to try some kind of comeback next year. Good luck to him. But I just don't see it 
I don't see him making an impact this year with Miami. I don't think uh, Larry Sanders is another guy. Again, you kind of tend to want to bring in names, established names, established players, and I just don't think that any of those players – Greg Monroe might be a possibility. Other than that, I don't think you really can pick too many of those other available names out there. So I'm going to put out a list here of guys, right? And this is what we're talking about. These are guys that you can either plug in and play or – continue to develop in the offseason. They're not going to get a lot of minutes now, but you know, if you're not giving minutes to Precious Achua and he's your first-round draft pick from this past season, why wouldn't you give a lot of minutes to Jan Mahimi or Greg Monroe or anybody that you pick up? So you're looking at projects, and here are four names that I think could develop. I'll start off with less likely, Justin Anderson. Why? 3 and D guy in theory. He can't shoot particularly well. He doesn't defend particularly well. Somewhat undersized. But I think he's smart enough. He's played with enough teams, too, around the league. He's feisty. He's smart. High IQ guy. I think he played in Philadelphia with Jimmy, too. So there's a level of comfort that I think would make a lot of sense. And he, again, he's a 3 and D guy. I think if you put him in the right spot, which isn't to say that, you know, he's had his opportunities in Dallas and Philadelphia. In Miami, it's Miami, right? I mean, bathe yourself in the waters of heat culture, the purifying waters of heat culture. I think it would work out. He's strong enough to handle bigs, small enough, quick enough to handle you know, some guards. He's not really going to shut down great perimeter players like Kyrie Irving or Justin, uh, I'm sorry, or, or James Harden, but I think he can contribute. Now, Justin Patton is another guy that I think makes some sense. Again, he played with Jimmy in Minnesota. He's a big body, can somewhat stretch the floor. He's bounced around a whole heck of a lot. I don't know that he's going to ever find a place here. He's, he's he's in a danger zone where I know he's had injury and there's a struggle with uh, fit. I think maybe there are questions with work ethic. Uh, you know, I asked, I've asked around about uh, Jordan Bell, another guy that you think make, makes sense because he was, you know, a steal for the Golden State Warriors and contributed to that championship team. And so I think a lot of people say, well, why not bring somebody like that in? But I think there are so many questions about off the court and his attitude. that Just he's not heat material. Patton could be. I don't know much about him. I know Anderson is. He's a guy dedicated to the work. I think he'd fit. But if you're looking at taking a chance, I think this is a, a nice possibility in terms of potential size seven feet tall you know again shooting touch then there's another guy Ivan Rab who's right now in the G League but he was a Memphis Grizzlies pick a couple years ago he just hasn't been able to turn it around he's 6'10 great work ethic played for UCLA I think this is the kind of long-term project you know a guy who can be on the floor alongside Bam Adebayo who can stretch the floor a little bit better than a precious Achua get him into the weight room, get him developed, find ways of maximizing his strengths. And I think you can get a pretty decent player there on the cheap and who's young and has time to continue to take more steps. And then lastly, I'm not sure if this is the most likely addition, but it makes a lot of sense just given how Miami has in the past added players like this. Sundarius Thornwell played at the University of South Carolina. Poor Frank Martin, the guy who coached, oh, I don't know, <laughs> half of Miami's roster. He coached Michael Beasley. He coached Rodney McGruder, Udonis Haslam, Chris Silva, 
See a trend? Like the connection between Martin and his notoriously difficult practices, his constant yelling and barking and, you know, this he is collegiate heat culture, you know, in that sense. Like he's a hard ass and he gets the most out of his players and he wants guys that are off the court great character people because if they have the off the court part set up, then the on the court stuff will usually work itself out. That's how he explained it to me when it came to, you know, Chris Silva. He's like, look, Chris is a hardworking guy. He wanted to do the work. And I know he was going to be able to contribute. I believe him. I still think there's a, a place for Chris Silva in the NBA. We'll have to wait and see. But as far as Thornwell is concerned, another guy that played for Marin, has a talent, could be a kind of wing defender, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what Thornwell brings to the table right now. I don't know that he brings much. But he's a name that you want to at least keep an eye on just because, again, there's a, if you need to bring somebody in and you want to take the time to develop them and you're not going to give them significant minutes anyway, might as well be somebody that you're comfortable with and have some intel on. That's it for today's show. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show. Be sure to please follow the show and leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting it. And thanks to all of you. I'm David Ramil signing off. Oh.